KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. Recently, the Alabama Supreme Court ruled that frozen embryos being held for in vitro fertilization are children, subject to rights and protections as human beings. That set off panic as IVF services in the state paused, and as CBS News reports, the effects continue to ripple out from there. Embryo shipping services nationwide have stopped transporting embryos to and from the state of Alabama. That's according to the National Fertility Association. The move follows a ruling from the Alabama Supreme Court that says frozen embryos are children and wrongful death suits could be filed if they are destroyed. People who were in the process of IVF in Alabama were left confused and afraid that they won't be able to have children like Gabby and Spencer Goydell. This is affecting couples, real-life couples who are trying to start families. Are we going to be able to continue? And have we wasted all this time and money already? Dr. Susan Liebel, professor of political science at St. Joseph's University, says this ruling could present much broader concerns beyond IVF. We are talking about whether eight cells have the same rights as a child. And I think that this leads us into, you know, terrain that nobody ever expected to be in. I'm Matt Leon, and today on KYW News Radio In-Depth, sponsored by your Delaware Valley Honda dealers, get a deal you'll like on a Honda you'll love. We are talking with Dr. Liebel about the Alabama Supreme Court decision, how it's tied to the Dobbs decision that overturned Roe versus Wade, and what else could come out of this attempt to redefine personhood. So the actual case that was brought before the Alabama Supreme Court that kind of got us to where we are now, what was the case about? Well, these are three sets of parents who tragically lost their fertilized embryos that were being stored uh, at a hospital in Mobile, Alabama. A patient entered the area where the embryos were stored, went into the freezer and took out the container, which freezer burned his hand because these eggs are frozen at extremely low temperatures. He dropped uh, the container onto the floor. It smashed and he destroyed the embryos of these three parents. Now, they wanted compensation and the way they did it was unusual. They didn't sue as if it was for property damage They sued for wrongful death under an 1872 statute called the wrongful death of a minor law. But the trial court dismissed their claims and said that, you know, in vitro embryos in a freezer don't fit the definition of a person or a child under that 1872 act. But the Alabama Supreme Court disagreed and they said that extra uterine children, their language, or unborn children, also their language, that are located outside of the uterus at the time they are, quote, killed, are also children, and they're covered under this act. Uh, They also cited uh, an amendment to the Alabama Constitution that declares the sanctity of unborn life and the rights of unborn children. So they combined this 1872 act and this more recent amendment to the Constitution from 2018. And as a result of that, we have seen clinics in Alabama put the brakes on treatments. And this has not been, it doesn't sound like it has been a a soft stop. Like people that were in the middle of treatments, they, they stopped them because they're worried about getting sued for wrongful death if something goes wrong. Am I correct? 
Absolutely right. And in fact, in oral arguments, these parents, three sets of parents said, we don't want to do anything to hurt other people's chances of having children through IVF. But that is exactly what has happened because the fear is of even removing the embryos to another state. So, you know, as this works, uh, you're taking hormones so that you can receive these embryos into your body. This is this is not something you just do whenever. It's something that has been timed. So even moving to another state can't happen because the companies are afraid of transporting and being charged with murder if there's a, for example, a, a, a traffic accident. In the ruling, it seemed to me that it wasn't just sprinkled with religious overtones. A lot of references to to God and, I mean, very put in very religious tones. And I think a lot of people find that alarming, that that's how we're making a lot of these decisions. There were two decisions. One was the majority decision by the court, and that one was not Uh, peppered with religion and did not quote the Bible. That one depended on Dobbs, the Supreme Court decision that overturned Roe v. Wade. And so what that first decision was doing was taking a page from Sam Alito's decision and saying, these are children, these are people, and we are going to count embryos outside of the womb as people. The second decision was a concurrence written by one person, Chief Justice Tom Parker. So he's speaking only for himself and no one else signed it. The the media has done a lot of focus on Tom Parker's decision, but I, I do want to underline that nobody else signed it. However, he could not have relied on religion more. He talked about Bible passages, theologians like Thomas Aquinas and John Calvin. Uh, he He declared that each you know, human being from the moment of conception is made in the image of God created by him to reflect his likeness. We are not used to seeing the Jeremiah, for example, in a Supreme Court, state Supreme Court opinion. And, you know, the First Amendment Establishment Clause prohibits governments from making laws that establish a religion. And I think this is the establishing of Christianity as the guide for law in Alabama Uh, There's a case in Florida in which uh, a synagogue is suing, saying that all of this life begins at conception, a divided embryo is a child, interfere with other religions who, for example, see the beginning of life as when the soul goes into the body, not when the eggs divide. You referenced the Roe decision or excuse me, the Dobbs decision, which overturned Roe versus Wade. Kind of give us the roadmap how overturning Roe versus Wade got us to this point where the Alabama Supreme Court is making this move. How do they build on each other? So in Roe v. Wade and in in Planned Parenthood versus Casey, what the Supreme Court said was that this word liberty in the 14th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution means that you can make certain decisions by yourself, with your family, with your doctor, and the government can't be involved. And we lived with that for 50 years in which we regulated abortion, but we assumed that this basic right until a fetus could survive outside of the womb, until the time of viability, it was the decision of the woman with her family, the pregnant person with their family, and the doctor. 
But what happened in Dobbs was the overturning of that, of saying that, I'm sorry, we made a 50-year error. And what the law really says is that there is no entitlement to this part of reproductive control. And what Alito did was he just kept saying words like fetal life, potential life, which we've seen before, but he added unborn human beings. Uh, he talked more and more about this, uh, what is now being called, uh, you know, fetal personhood language, setting up this idea that a fetus is a constitutional person and will have the same rights. So then what we have is two people with rights, the pregnant person and the embryo. And, and what's interesting to me about this or horrifying, uh, depending on when you're asking me, is that just as Sandra Day O'Connor predicted all of this in 1996, and one of her reasons for upholding abortion, she was an exceptionally conservative jurist, was that it is impossible if women are to be equal citizens in the United States, it is impossible for the embryo to be able to help be held against the woman. In other words, she said, you could be telling women, I'm sorry, you can't smoke that cigarette. You can't eat that junk food. And she saw that as intolerable. And many people are now looking at the Alito decision in Dobbs and this new decision in Alabama and seeing the problem of this competition. A, a lot of the attention has been on IVF. And I, I feel for these parents. I think we all feel for these parents. They lost something. But only one to 2% of Americans use IVF. It's an exceptionally expensive technology for helping people to uh, have children. What this wider issue is, is about equality and whether an embryo will now trump the rights of pregnant people and also the way that we make, for example, rape treatment available to people. Because plan B, for example, often involves a fertilized egg that is implanting in the womb. Yeah. And that was going to be my next question. Kind of you touch or you tie the Dobbs decision to here. Take us the next couple of miles. You, you kind of reference there with plan B, like what are, what could we see ripple effects of this? Well, it has effects throughout society. Uh, cancer patients often experience uh, difficulties with fertility and plan in advance to have fertility help. So this will take something away from them. Rape happens every 68 seconds in the United States and every nine minutes that rape victim is a child. And in Alabama, their abortion law has no exception for rape. They have allowed Plan B. So we're, we're sort of in this funny stage in which I think people are going to increasingly uh, litigate asking for the status of more and more embryos if they can be done outside of the womb. So for me, the big issues here are the availability of birth control, the availability of rape treatment, cancer patients, and most important, whether people with wombs are equal citizens in the United States or whether an embryo can trump their rights. To that point, and what I'm going to say is going to sound flippant, but I'm trying to make a point here. Under this thought process, this decision-making, can we write off an embryo as a tax deduction, like as we do it a child? Like, can, you know, can they ride in the 
in the ride sharing lane on the highway. Like I'm not, it sounds flippant, but this kind of opens the door to this type of thing that when you kind of reverse engineer it, well, why this and not this? Many, many smart people are asking those questions, Matt. I don't think they're flip at all. The way IVF works in general, and, and it really differs among clinics across the United States and among countries around the world, is that uh, eggs are harvested. They are tested for genetic issues. Ones with genetic issues are discarded. Now, the word discarded or the word killed. So can I be tried for murder uh, if those embryos that can't would not come to term are are discarded. This is now an open question. And the status of the embryos you pay to have those embryos stored by month. So in fact, there are costs and people could claim, yes, I, I have five embryos, so therefore I have five children. No, I, I, I think, first of all, I want to back up and say one thing. The embryos are between eight and 100 cells in general, they are one-tenth of a millimeter. They are literally divided cells with no uh, you know, organs or anything like that. So we are talking about whether eight cells have the same rights as a child. And I think that this leads us into you know, terrain that nobody ever expected to be in, except everyone who said this as the Dobbs decision was coming out. So it's not that this comes out of left field. Many, many, many people were predicting it. And here we are. We need to take a break on KYW News Radio in depth. We will continue our conversation with Dr. Susan Liebel in just a moment. But right now, there's nothing quite like the Honda Accord Hybrid and the CRV Hybrid when it comes to exhilarating efficiency. With hybrid technology and thrilling capability, these vehicles deliver an electrifying performance on every drive. This new year, discover for yourself what truly makes these hybrids special. Redefine your driving experience with Honda, KBB.com's best value brand of 2023 contact your local honda dealer today about the honda accord hybrid and the crv hybrid and now on KYW News Radio in depth, let's return to our conversation with Dr. Susan Liebel, professor of political science at St. Joseph's University. Do we expect this to move to the US Supreme Court at a certain point or how do you do you think this proceeds higher or is this life in Alabama? And now the, the question is, will other states try to find playbooks, for, you know, that conservative states to try to do the same thing? The circumstances in Alabama were somewhat unique in that they used this 1872 statute and they had this amendment to their constitution. For now, the attorney general is saying that he's not going to prosecute. Uh, so so there is some internal politics happening in, in Alabama. One way I've been thinking about it is the establishment clause of the U.S. Constitution. This does appear to be a Christian decision that is, in fact, um, taking away rights from others. The Judge Parker, who wrote the very religious decision, has expressed support for what's called the Seven Mountain Mandate. And that's a theory that conservative Christians in America should use fundamentalist beliefs to influence and run family, religion, education, media, entertainment, business, and government as the key areas of life. So this is part of a wider movement that we see throughout the United States. 
And could it go to the Supreme Court on the Establishment Clause? I don't know, Matt, because this current Supreme Court has twisted the Establishment Clause jurisprudence to such an extent that it doesn't ever seem to see anything as an establishment of religion. So uh, we're in a moment in which I I don't think anyone knows what what would happen if a real establishment clause case went to the court of this nature. And we already know that several of the justices do believe in fetal personhood. So they might be glad to get such a case and to to increase this idea. So I don't know what happens yet. I don't see any particular other. I checked all the constitutions and other statutes. I don't see a state in which this is looming. But I think everybody should be watching this because there's really good research in political science that shows that that state courts actually matter more than the Supreme Court. Like we like paying attention to the Supreme Court. I love paying attention to it. But actually, these state courts have a far greater impact on the lives of people. We elect them in Pennsylvania. We appoint them in New Jersey, but they matter a great deal. It has been fascinating to me the last couple of years, specifically with the Dobbs decision. What I think you have seen on the political right is a lot of the dog that caught the car syndrome. Uh, They had been hammering away anti-abortion groups, Republican conservative politicians, We've got to do something about abortion. We've got to do something about abortion. They've been fundraising on it. It's been a pillar of conservative politics for decades. And then the Dobbs decision came. And then all of a sudden, a lot of the people that had been banging the drum were kind of whistling past the graveyard. Like, oh, well, I, it's not that big a deal. You can just go, you know, the states will be, it'll be fine. Like there was no, when you you would have got a, a moment like that for the conservative movement, you would have thought there would have been celebration. But it seems to me a lot of, specifically politicians, were indifferent towards it, but just saw it as a great card to fundraise and to get out the vote. Now you're seeing kind of the same thing play out, I think, with this Alabama, where you're seeing, and I keep referring to Republicans because this has been their thing for forever. You see a lot of Republican politicians expressing support for IVF. And these are also politicians, though, that have signed on sponsored legislation, like I think it was called the Life at Conception Act in 2023, which would have banned IVF. So I guess my question is, is this just political disingenuousness? Is it we don't really read the the laws? How do you kind of square this circle that all these people that have been championing this now all of a sudden say this is wrong? Well, I'll give you my best answer and then a more cynical answer. I think my best answer is that the conservative movement is plural and it has always separated or some part of it has separated out the having of children. In other words, much of this is about, in my mind, women as wombs. And women as wombs maps on fine to IVF because the idea is that you're trying to have children. It's it's not about controlling your fertility overall. It's about your desire to have children. And I also think that IVF affects more people who are in the elite, who are in the media, because it costs $10,000 to $35,000 to do this procedure. So I think what we see is something that's very consistent, the having of children and the emphasis on women as people who have children and should put children before all else 
is consistent in some ways. I think you're correct that, in fact, this is a dog that caught the car moment because this has been a very popular political issue for Republicans. Yet, most Americans do not believe that abortion should be illegal. They particularly do not believe it should be illegal in the early stages or in the case of rape and incest or especially in the case of children and teenagers. So what we have is a problem for the Republican Party, but we also have a a strong element that is very serious about a federal act. There was really good reporting in the New York Times this week about how former President Trump might use the Comstock Act, also from the 1870s, to implement a federal ban without Congress, to use executive action and to use this this old law that forbids anything going through the mail with respect to birth control or abortion. So on the one hand, I don't want to paint with a broad brush. The conservative movement includes many reasonable people and includes many people who don't think fetal personhood is the number one agenda item or the seven uh, mountain mandate, but they're This is part of our politics now, and uh, one of our potential candidates for president is very much adjacent to these issues, even as he has signaled, as have Republicans and Democrats in Alabama, that they want to pass legislation that will allow IVF. But I just can't underline enough that IVF isn't the issue. Like, it's what got us here, but it affects this tiny number of people. And what really matters is if you declare the embryo a person, then you can control and regulate all the people who have embryos in their bodies. And that, for me, is frightening and potentially an issue for the Democrats going forward, as this has been extremely successful for them as a political issue in very conservative states. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth, sponsored by your Delaware Valley Honda dealers. Get a deal you'll like on a Honda you'll love. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.